If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4 today. We've only got one more week. Next week we'll be finishing up our series in 1 and 2 Timothy. And then we'll be looking at a summer in the Psalms as where we'll be going after that one. So uh, last, what? Summer in the Psalms. Summer in Psalm Springs is what I'm calling it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if you have your Bibles, it would be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's called Finish the Race. I wasn't here last Sunday. Uh, I was actually up in Anchorage. I was cheering my wife and four other gals from our church on. Uh, they were in Anchorage running the 37th annual Gold Nugget Triathlon. You got some intense girls in this church. Uh, they were, uh, th- th- that, actually the triathlon is exactly as old as I am, so that's a fun fact. Um, so they swam a bunch of laps inside, because uh, it's Alaska, um, and then they ran, and, or they biked, and then they finished th- things up running to the finish line. It was hard work, and not just for them. There was a very handsome group of volunteers that came out uh, to cheer them on, and I think work just as hard, right? We were just all one big team. Kind of working together to complete the... No, okay, not as hard. Uh, but it was, for them, it was hard work. Right? It was a lot of work. Training and then actually doing the race itself. Tiring. It was also teamwork. It was amazing to watch these girls come together, uh, lending each other bike and gears and gear and, and giving each other tips. And some of the girls who had done it before, uh, giving tips to the, the newbies and, and, and being able to push each other on, encourage each other forward. And then finally, it was rewarded work. It was rewarded work. It was so cool to see them at the finish line, the, the sense of accomplishment, having finished the race, all the hard work, uh, well well worth it. And they were even insane enough to say that they would be open to doing it again next year. Um, we'll, we'll get them into therapy. So we, we're all running a race, right? We're all running a race. Uh, even those of us, maybe my idea of a triathlon would be more along the lines of eating a pizza, uh, watching a movie, and then going to bed. Amen? That, that's my kind of triathlon. Uh, in a relay race, each runner competes, uh, c- excuse me, completes their section of the race, and then they pass the baton on to the next runner, right? Each person doing a, a segment. We're going to see a baton passing this morning. We're going to see one being passed from Paul to Timothy. In, in 2 Timothy, especially in today's passage, Paul imagines himself at completing this, his leg of the race. That, that he knows he's going to be killed soon for preaching the gospel. And in his job on earth, this version of earth, is virtually complete. And so now he's going to pass the baton on to his spiritual son, Timothy. That Timothy is going to continue to run his leg of the race. And as Paul passes the baton on, he's going to become a cheerleader, right? You can go, Timothy, give me a tea. You got your tea. You got. He's just going to become the cheerleader for Timothy. There's more work to be done, right? More worth here on earth. There still is. He says, "Keep going, Timothy. Uh, remember all that I've taught you. Continue to preach and teach and shepherd like I, like I did, and, and ultimately as Jesus taught us too." There, there was a baton passing here at the church a few years back. Uh, Pastor Larry. Passed the baton to me in January of 2016. I started as the full-time pastor here at Peninsula Grace. And, and Larry, we had a commissioning service. Uh, and Larry actually, as he passed the baton on, preached this very text that we're going to be looking at this morning in, in my service. And I was just sitting in, in the seat where you all are today, just bawling like a baby. Like, okay, Larry, I'll try to make you proud and pass the baton and the Kleenex, right? Like, I'm going to do it. And, and, and we, uh, we, I'm now endeavoring to, to lead well, like Larry had led well, and, and to preach and teach and shepherd, just like 
Larry had taught me. We're also passing a baton today from last year to next year. This morning, we're, we're celebrating uh, the turning of a page. July 1st is our fiscal year. Uh, so if some of you were like, uh, Justin, I don't know if you knew. We're like halfway through 2021. So it's not actually, I don't know if you need to get a calendar, but nothing's actually. So I, I know how that works. Uh, but we were celebrating the end of, of our fiscal year. And, and each year, we, we run a race, right? We run it individually. Richie ran a race last year, Right? We each have run races, and we've run a race together as God's people. We have a task, a mission, a job to do. And this morning, we want to celebrate all that God has done this year. So we celebrate stories like Richie's, and there are many others who could testify to God's grace in their life. And we look forward with confidence to all that that same God will continue to do in and through us. And what we're going to find today is that the same task that Paul passed on to Timothy is a task that Timothy passed on to others and has been continued to be passed on. It's passed on to us today, and we want to continue to pass that forward. So if you have your your bulletins, we've got our fill-in-the-blanks here. The first point we want to make today is that there's hard work, just like our, our girls running that race. There's hard work. That's why this is a race that must rely on the word of God, a race that relies on the word. The task at hand is to preach the word, preach the word. Look at me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. And this isn't just Paul saying, God is a witness to me giving you this charge, Timothy. Ultimately, this this charge, it comes from God himself, right? That that God himself gives us our task. When the girls had entered the, the Gold Nugget Triathlon, there was a committee that decided how the race would be run. The length of the, the laps to be swam and the, and the amount to run and, and bike. And they're the ones that gave you your identification. They all had these tattoos on their arms and legs with a number, like branded like cattle. Uh, I will say my girl looked good in a tattoo. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that from the pulpit. but. And he decides our task, right? Excuse me, the, the officials decided their task. At the end of the day, the, the, the results come in, and if they've run the race according to the rules of the officials, then prizes will be awarded accordingly. God created you and I. God gave us an identity branded with his character, bearing his image. And it's our God at the end of this that we're going to stand before awaiting the official results. We're not going to stand before a jury of peers, We're not going to decide ourselves how we did, right? We, the judge and jury of the universe, his name is Jesus, and he's going to come back. The king will come back to judge. And what has this judge given us? What's the race that we're called to run, the task that we're given? Verse 2, he says, preach the word. This is the central command of our passage this morning. Preach the word. So what does that mean? Well, the word preach means to herald or proclaim, right? So, so I heralded, Jill finished the triathlon, her first ever, in her age bracket. She was seventh overall. And out of over 350 runners, my girl got 75th. Man, I married well, right? I'm heralding the news. And she's like, please stop talking about me in the sermon, right? I'm heralding the good news. I'm so proud of her, right? We are called to her- What are we called to herald? What news are we called to announce? He says the word. We're preaching the word. Now, the word here, last week, Pastor Ross took us through chapter 3, where we, the very well-known verse, all scriptures breathe that with, uh, from God, right? It's profitable to make us the kind of people that he's called us to become. 
Now, this word that he used last week in chapter 3 is the word graphe, writing. It's the written word of God, which is the Old Testament, right? Paul was in the process of writing the New Testament in this letter. We now have these 66 books that we would call the scriptures, the written word of God. But that's not the word he uses here. He doesn't say preach the scriptures. The word he uses here is preach the word, which is the word logos. Now, where have we seen that word pop up before in our story? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Logos. And the word, the Logos was with God and it was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He says, preach the Logos. Preach Jesus himself. Not just the written word, but the living word. Our our entire Bible, you guys, it has one purpose. That every word in your Bible is a signpost pointing to Jesus himself. We are a people of the book. We we believe that our authority is, is the Bible itself. But we're not talking about what we should be preaching, but who we should be preaching. That the writ we say it this way: the written word points us to the living word. That it's not just do we know the information in the book or on the phone in your hands right now, but does that information point us to a relationship with the word that is alive and indwelling us? Our vision as a church, we say that we are a gospel-centered community that's reproducing disciples of Jesus. That means everything we do revolves around this proclaiming, this heralding of this good news. Now, why don't we say we're a Bible-centered? Isn't it about the authority of God's word? Well, we want to be more specific than that. That we believe that the Bible is there to tell us it all revolves around this good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so we, our task... But the words that we speak and the way that we live is to tell people about Jesus, to proclaim to the world the written written and the living word. So that's what we're called to do, preach the word. Now, uh, how do we do this? The next question is, it's the way. How do we do do this? What does proclaiming Jesus look like? Well, he gives us some sub-commands under preach the word. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with uh, patience. Oops with complete patience and with teaching. So three things. Philip Jensen gave us a little alliteration here to think about what he's trying to say. First, he calls us to constant preaching. He says, be ready in season and out of season. So you're thinking through, like, is this like the physical seasons, like all year long? Like I was thinking of a Dr. Seussian, you should preach him in the fall and when there's no leaves at all, right? Is that just what he's calling us to do? Uh, No, the, the word, the phrase means when it's opportune or when it's inopportune. In other words, he says, Timothy, there are going to be seasons of plenty. There are going to be seasons where you preach the gospel, and maybe it wasn't even a very good sermon, and people just start pouring out of the aisles, start running up and wanting to give their lives to Jesus, right? You're going to see seasons of plenty. You're also going to see seasons that feel barren. That there are going to be times when you feel like no one's listening, that there's no change in your heart or in the heart of anybody else's, that no one wants to listen, that that no one wants to heed the call to come to Jesus. What Paul's encouragement here is keep preaching in every season, whether it's hard or whether it's easy. We look back on this last year, and man, a year forever marked by COVID. And we see the many ways that it was hard to preach the word, right? Hard to love people when you're distanced. We had so many rhythms that were disrupted that we're still working through, still transitioning. But man, what amazing opportunities. Richie's is one story. But you know what? Jesus didn't sit out the Rona, did he? 
He kept working. He's still the king. His word is still going out. We're to constantly preach the word of God. It's also a confronting work. Preaching is confronting. He says reprove, rebuke, and exhort. These words mean to correct. What's inherent in correct? That something needs to be corrected. That something's wrong. Uh, to convict, convict of sin, people of their sin, to refute, to refute the lies. Richie mentioned the lies that Satan was sowing into his mind that needed to be rebuked, to encourage people in the right direction. So part of my job as a volunteer at the triathlon was to tell the bikers which way to go, right? We're at a sharp corner. Don't keep going on the dirt road. Stay on the main road. Go this way. We also had to let them know when there were cars coming. Don't swerve into oncoming traffic or you'll become a permanent gold nugget on the road, right? So we're directing traffic and and telling them which way to go. And and, hey, you still got a couple miles left. They're like, shut up, right? We're we're going. And and part of our job as preachers is to tell people things they don't want to hear, right? That, That we, there is good news, but part of that good news is bad news. The reason we need a savior is because we're sinners. We need to be saved from something, right? And this calls people to repent, to change their mind, implying they're thinking wrong, living wrong, and they need to change the way that they're thinking and living. So by nature, preaching the word is going to be confrontational because you're telling someone they're going in the wrong direction. And that's not fun to hear, right? There's a difficult part of this task. No one's like, ooh, I'm, I'm going in a foolish, destructive direction? Tell me more, Right? It's not how it works. He says it's going to be hard because it's confronting. Finally, though, he says it needs to be continuous. It needs to be continuous with complete patience and with teaching, he says. So it's one thing to preach. There's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching is declaring the word of God. We say Jesus is king. I believe in him. But, but he says, come alongside for someone to really understand what it means to be a disciple, to follow Jesus. There's no shortcut to that. It's patience. And teaching, meaning to clearly explain and unpack that. And that's what we're doing as a community, right? We're learning what it means, working this out. What does it mean to live by faith in Jesus, to be this new creation that Richie referenced? Now, some of us need to hear this word that we need to be more confronting, right? We're a little timid. Like Timothy, we're a little bashful at times to want to declare the truth. Maybe we don't know how to say it or, or how we'd approach somebody. And so we have that timidity thing and we need to be more confronting. Uh, for others of us, that's not our problem. Uh, that we are very aggressive, right? <laughs> Thank you, Google Images. Uh, that we need to lighten up a little bit, right? Like we can become too aggressive in our approach. And that we need to remember to be patient and to clearly do the work of, of teaching so this is the way that we approach people, constantly, confrontingly, and continuously. And then why? why? Why this way? Well, he says for. Remember we ask, when we're reading, as students of the word, when you see for or because, we ask, what's the therefore, therefore? What's the cause and effect here? How do we link these two? And he just told Timothy, he said, be patiently, clearly preaching the hard truth of Jesus, even when it's out of season, inopportune, when people don't want to listen. Why? For people aren't going to listen. He says, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, their desires, what they want to believe, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into the myths. He says, people are going to want to hear what they already believe and just have somebody who can confirm that. And isn't that true today? One of the shifts we're seeing in in the church today is this move from local to global. 
that it used to be more of a, a local church where it was people in the same time and space, in the same community. But as technology increases, we're becoming a globalized community, and that includes the church. Now, there are some amazing things about that, that we can connect with believers easily. We can FaceTime with a missionary in Russia. And we have information, we have articles and YouTube videos and sermons of all sorts and sizes. There are some great things. But we also see part of what comes out of that is people saying, I'm going I'm to take church and truth on my terms. And kind of treating it like a Christian buffet, where they just kind of look online and go, let's see, I'll take a scoop of that guy, right? He affirms my position on sexual identity. And I'll take a glass of that guy. He agrees with my take on COVID, right? And I like that guy's, his teaching on gluttony. <laughs> so I'll have seconds, right? So we just kind of pick and choose. Our choice of teacher should not be based on their, them saying what we want to hear, but on their faithfulness to the written word and love for the living word. It's a race that must rely on the word of God, must rely on the word. It's also going to be a race that relays on the word of God. This is going to be teamwork. There's four more instructions under the command to preach the word. He says in verse 5, As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Then there is another four. Four, do this, for I, Paul, am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. So he says, Timothy... I'm being poured out as a drink offering. This was a sacrifice that was offered to God. It was in Jewish culture. There was also a version of that in pagan culture. He says the cup is being tipped. He says I am in the process of being poured out. It's happening. I am about to die. And the time of my departure has come. This was a metaphor. The word meant a loosing. So you put these two ideas together of a pouring out and a loosing. It was the idea of what sailors would do. There was a libation. Pour one out, right? As they set sail, as they loosed the ropes and anchors and set sail into the deep blue. And he says, Timothy, I'm about to sail from this world into the presence of Jesus. That I will no longer be able to preach the word to the lost. So, son, my son in the faith, take the baton and run. As for you, Timothy, continue to run the race that Jesus began, that he began in his resurrection. Take the baton that was passed to me and pass it on to others. Your job, Timothy, is to do the work of an evangelist. Preach the gospel to the lost because I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. He says, do it sober-minded. Keep a clear head. Don't get distracted and endure suffering because there's going to be seasons where not only will they not listen, they're actually going to hate you and persecute you for what you say. And Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Finish your leg of the race. He says, Timothy, you must rely on Scripture, the Word of God alone, because I'm going to be gone. Listen, we can't rely fully on somebody else. People come and go in our life like a vapor. But God's word remains forever, amen? He said in chapter 2, you can bind me, but you can't bind the word of God. You can kill me physically, but Jesus and his word will continue to do the good work that God has intended it to do. And I love this last one here. He says, fulfill your ministry, fulfill your ministry. Notice he doesn't say fulfill my ministry, right? Timothy has a ministry that God has given him. So the question for us shouldn't be, how do I compare with the guy down the street, my neighbor, my friend, my spouse? The question is not, how successful am I? 
Or, or how many people have I saved? How, many, how, many, how much money have I raised? How many good things have I done? How many people noticed what I've done? But the question is, was I faithful to what God gave me? He's given us each the task to make disciples of all nations. Jesus said that in Matthew 28. The question is, who's in your path? Who are the people? What are the situations that God's called you into? Fulfill your ministry. So we rely on the word that's from God, ultimately the living word expressed through the written word. And then we also relay on that word to others. We relay it on to others. So the church, capital C, the called out people of God, began around 33 AD. This is when Jesus ascended to heaven and, and, and put his spirit back down to earth into his followers and said, go out and make disciples. And they've been doing that ever since. And 1,950 years later, <coughs> Peninsula Grace was born. This is a local expression of that universal church. This is the building as it looked in 1986, right, before the gym was put up there. Now, we know this is a building, right? We are the people of God, amen, not the building. This is where we congregate on Sunday mornings. And we know that since then, many pastors have come and gone. Many sheep have come and gone. Had a, had a friend, Jerry, come visit us in first service. Hadn't been here since in probably 20 years, saying hi to old friends. And what we see is this baton being passed. And today, we celebrate this leg of the race. And we look on toward the ones to come. I love what Keith Hamilton says. He, he has the expression, he says, don't be a caboose. When it comes to passing on that baton, somebody preached the word to you. Somebody passed the baton to you. He says, don't let it stop there because the relay race isn't over. More people need to know about Jesus and follow Jesus. So do not be the caboose. And the question for each of us is, who are we passing the baton on to? Who are the people in our lives that we continue to spread the word proclaiming Jesus to? We start in our homes with our, with our family, our children relationships here in the body, people in your ministries. This is our focus. This is our task. And maybe some of us go, I don't even know what it means to pass the baton on, how to, how to proclaim, how to disciple. We, that's what we're here to do as a body, to equip the saints to do the ministry. So one of the practical outlets of that, if you'd like to step in to know more about discipleship, go to our website, Connect and then Disciples. And, and we, we, we have what we call discipleship triangles, these intentional groups that are meeting together to learn what it means to follow Jesus as we get in his word, as we take the masks off and really know each other and really see what what growth looks like in Christ would want to invite you invite you into that. So we see that this is a, a hard work to preach the word. It's, it's teamwork, passing the baton on. And finally, it's a rewarded work, a race that rewards with the word, with Jesus himself. I loved seeing uh, the girls. And as they saw the finish line, we were there cheering them on. They were almost there. And you could see they got a second wind as they saw that finish line. They were so proud, so satisfied with what they had just accomplished. I think they were most excited because afterwards we were going to go to Moose's Tooth, right? No better way to sell it. Forget a carrot. Give me gluten, right? That's, that's how we're going to do this thing. And they, were, and they all said, we want to do it again. In fact, Jill said, I want to do the one here in Nikiski in August, and I want you, Justin, to join me. <laughs> She's hilarious. She, I'll tell you what. I'll cheer you on, baby, but I'm not about to. So verse 7. Uh, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul says, Timothy, I'm on the final lap. I might even be on the home stretch. But I can see the blow-up arch. And I can see Jesus standing there. And he says, I'm telling you, from my vantage point, 
here at the end with my toes in the Jordan, it's worth it. It's worth it. He, he says, I know that you're suffering. And man, I know that you're scared right now. I, I know that it's hard work. And I know there are seasons where it feels like there's nothing profitable coming of it. But he says, Timothy, as my life is being poured out, as the ship is setting sail, and, and on yonder shore I see Jesus' arms wide open, I'm telling you, it's worth it to fight all the way to the finish. And man, in verse 8, he finishes it this way. He says, henceforth. I should start more sentences in my life like that. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's retirement plan is not a timeshare in Cabo. It's the runner's victory symbol. Here it says, it's a crown. It's a crown that's laid up for me. Now, what is a crown? Is God bribing us with jewelry? He's saying, if you suffer for me and serve me, I'll give you some bling in, in return. Well, what is this crown? Well, think of it this way. Uh, Jill and I started our, our long distance, our relationship long distance. We were FaceTiming, and I was creeping on her, taking snapshots, screenshots, and she had no idea. She probably would have dumped me if she knew that I was a weirdo. Uh, so <laughs> 10 very, very short months later, we got married. Went from, I have no idea who you are, to you're my wife. Uh, we, we call it the matrimonial fast track. It's, uh, he's, Paul just said run the race, right? We're just heeding scripture's advice, that's all, so back off. Now, it was hard. It was hard being separated for 10 months, especially once we decided to get married, and we were waiting for that literal wedding feast to come. We were doing the hard, patient work of proclaiming the gospel of our love to one another over FaceTime. Now, there are two kinds of rewards. We, we, there's an arbitrary reward for the work you've done, right? If someone says, you do the work and I'll pay you. You do the work and I'll give you a toy or a cookie, right? There's a reward, uh, but then there's also the kind of re reward that is the natural reward that comes from the work that you've done. So if Jill told me, hey, man, hang in there for 10 months. It's worth the wait because I'm going to give you a bunch of cash at the end of it, right? That would be weird, right? But, but if she said, but what is the more healthy, normal uh, reward that's waiting for me? It's the relationship with Jill herself, right? She's the reward. The relationship is why it's worth the hard work, why it's worth the wait, why we endured the suffering of FaceTime. Paul's not talking about merit badges that we're going to get at the end of a Boy Scout hike. He's not saying God is some divine Oprah going, and you get a crown, and you get a crown, and you get a crown, right? That's not what he's talking about here. This is being ushered down the aisle into the great lover of our soul, into the arms of Jesus himself. He said, those who have loved his appearing. What we're looking forward to, guys, is not a crown. It's the king himself. He says here, a crown of righteousness. This word crown, it meant a mark of royal or exalted rank. So what's really cool here, he's saying it's not about a physical piece of metal that's sitting on your head. This is about your position, the position that God had originally intended for us. And I love how Psalm 8 words what God had originally intended for mankind. We stand out from any other thing that he ever created. He says, For you, God, have made him, mankind, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet to, to rule and reign over the world with God. All the sheep and oxen and beasts and birds and all these things, right? So what do we see here? 
we see that, that we were created as God's royal children, that Adam and Eve were intended to worship God, to walk with God, and to reign with God. He said, I gave you rule over the rest of the planet. Bear my image and walk with me. But we know what happened, right? They went rogue, and instead of reigning with God, they rebelled against God. And that puts us in the need for Jesus. And the crown that's offered to them, he says, is a crown of righteousness. And I love this. The word righteousness means the state of him who is as he ought to be. To be who we were created to be. Which, which we marred that image when we sinned against him. Right? And so what, what he's saying is, I want to bring you back into that status. And how are we brought back into right relationship with God? How do we wear that crown and the robes of righteousness? Richie talked about trying to do it through his own willpower, right? We, we can't put on a plastic crown, some, some, some Fisher-Price thing that we come up with our own, right? We're not going to gain right standing with God. It's not by works, it's by faith. Romans 1 says, this good news, this gospel that we proclaim tells us how God makes us right in his sight. How does he do it? This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Do you hear that race language again? We started by faith, placing our faith in Jesus. And the way that we're going to finish this race is also by faith. As the scriptures, the graphe, the written word of God says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And that's why he says, I've finished the race. And what I mean by that is I've kept the faith. <laughs> I've kept the faith. Not that I earned my way in, but I believe the one who accepts me on Jesus' merit. Listen, the king is coming back. The king is coming back, and one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And the only question for us, as every person's on their knee, is that going to be a moment that we dread or a moment that we love? He says, this crown isn't just for me. This crown is for all who have loved his appearing. Paul says, Timothy, cling to your crown, right? Right now it looks like a crown of thorns, but one day you're going to exchange that thing. For one that's unfading. I, I love the song, Old Rugged Cross. Right? As we carry our cross and follow Jesus, enduring in season and out of season. It says, I'm going to cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Where the reward is not God giving us a bunch of jewelry, but the reward is no more long distance. We used to walk by, by, by faith, right? We, 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 had to, we, had to, we had to FaceTime God. But now, he says, you're going to be ushered into my presence and I'll see you face to face in the presence of the king. So I have some type A tendencies. I just want to come clean on that. Uh, including, I have a list of goals that I review every week, Friday morning, 8 a.m. sharp, like a machine. And part of these goals, I look at, man, biblically, prayerfully, God, what have you called me to? What, is, what do daily goals look like in my life? Weekly goals, monthly goals, in a year, two from now, 20 years, 50 years down the road, where is the Lord taking me? But at the end of this document, I've reminded myself of what it's all about and where it's all going. And I've used this passage at the end of the document. I didn't put the, the goals in there because that's none uh, I When I meet Jesus, I'm going to stand face to face with Jesus. We're all going to one day. And I, I'm telling you, I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be able to echo Paul's words that I've fought the fight, that I've run the race, that I've kept the faith, that I received that crown of righteousness, and that I have loved his appearing. And I want to live each moment of my life with that moment burned in my brain. 
that I walk it back from that moment and the, how I live today, I want that to be dictated and moved in the direction of that moment with Jesus. And I don't want, just want that for me. I want that for our church. I want that for all of us, that we'd all be presented complete in Christ. So what's our mission? We take it from the Bible, our authority. Colossians 1 says that we're here to present everyone in complete in Christ, that they would find Jesus fully sufficient as their Savior and King. And, and therefore, what, what is our, our mission? Well, the, the verse says we proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus, the Logos, teaching and admonishing. That's, that's our role as disciples. We're teaching them the good news. And our vision, how are we going to carry that out at the church? We've said that we are a gospel, we're gospel-centered. The hard work of preaching the Logos, that we're proclaiming Jesus, that's our mission. And we do that in community, that we do it with teamwork, that we're doing it with one another. And then we, the goal is to produce, reproduce disciples of Jesus, that we pass the baton on to others. I loved how Richie ended his story, that he's now at Freedom House helping other guys experience the same freedom in Jesus that he did. That's what we're called to. We're just recovering sinners that are calling other people to, 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 to where the bread comes from. Paul wants to encourage Timothy to run the race, finish it strong, and look forward to that crown that's going to be coming to him. Paul speaks of his present. Right now I'm being poured out as a drink offering. My time of departure is here, right now in the present. He looks back at the past. I've fought the fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. And then he looks forward to the future. What waits for me is this crown of righteousness and for all those who look forward to his coming. This morning, in 2021, here in the present, we are celebrating what God's done in the past, this last year, and we're looking forward with confidence to what he's going to do in the future. And I tried to think about some examples I could use to wrap this up and kind of give some more of those, but I thought a picture's worth a thousand years, a uh, thousand years, well, not quite, uh, a picture's worth a thousand words, there you go. And so we put together a little video just to recap uh, what, what God has done in and through uh, this church by his grace for his glory. So let's watch that and then we'll close with some worship. <laughs> 